You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond, Guild 9 Gaming Podcast, covering board games to war games and beyond. And welcome back to Tabletop and Beyond. I am your host, Justin, and I am here with my buddy, Jason. Yo, what's going on? Jason, how are you doing today? All right, man. Just uh, just chilling, ready to do some podcasting. We are missing our buddy Dan tonight. He yep. has a mobile award ceremony for some of his employees, which is kind of a cool thought. He's going to drive around and drop off some awards at his employees' houses, um, kind of on their doorsteps, so that they can get that during COVID. I think See, that's now, kind of a nice gesture. It is a nice gesture, as long as they know it's coming. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes like, he's... it's actually a way for Dan to check up on his employees, and make sure they're not just Hello. sitting around in their PJs. Hey, I've got yeah. an award. Uh, what's going on? Why don't you have pants on? Yeah, how come your computer <laughs> is off? <laughs> <laughs> Very true. He's he. It could be a Big Brother move. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, I was also going to say that you know, it would it be feel weird if your boss was stalking you at work or at your house? <laughs> Yeah, you know, like Dan knows where I live. I, well, I mean, I think all of our bosses know where we live. That's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of in our employee paperwork. Yeah, but have you ever had a boss show up to your door? Not uninvited. That is true. Yeah, I mean, maybe they know it's coming. So here we are psychoanalyzing Dan's motives. <laughs> right. okay, so he's gonna—he's doing something nice for his employees. Let's. Uh... <laughs> There you go. Send yeah, that so on he's got to get up like spin. super early yeah. or something. Because he's driving all over the DMV, which like is a huge area. He's probably going to be driving all day. All over the DMV. Yep. Yeah. It's Waiting huge. in lines. If this were Phineas and Ferb, he'd be driving all over the tri-state area. That's right. <laughs> Good show. You ever watch Phineas and Ferb? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, dude. It's, it's probably one of the best cartoons out there. It's a ever. great cartoon. Yeah. Very witty, very smart. Yeah, I'll I'll say uh, the adventures of uh, was it the adventures of Gumball? Yeah, I love that show. I can watch that show with my kids any day, all day. We should have we should have a uh, um, an episode on uh, favorite like throwback cartoons. There you go. Yeah. That'd be good. Very good. Nice. Well, that's not our topic for today. Nope. Today we're going to be talking about running games for noobs. Noobs. Total noobs. Yep. So, uh, but before we do that, Jason, how was your Geek Week, sir? Fun. I uh, was working on the house I talked about last time, the uh-huh. uh, one I was making out of uh, 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 oh, foam. Oh, not, not your real house. No. Not the my, little no. house. Yep, gotcha. the little house is one I was making out of foam. And uh, so, you know, um, I got to the point where I had finished building it. I felt like yeah. it looked really cool. It was ready to go, you know. And uh, so... Um, I uh, I put on um, this. Uh, uh, one of the things I saw was, you know, foam can not do so well under certain like um, uh, 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 paint. It can eat away at the foam. Oh, and so, right. a l- yeah, a lot of people what they do is they they once you get your whatever you're building your structure built, you take uh, Mod Podge, uh, the mat Mod Podge mat, and you put just a little bit of black paint in it mix it around and then you just paint that over so that's oh, that acts nice. as your base coat and it gives a really nice just you know like mod podge protective layer mm-hmm. over the uh, entire structure that's a good idea because it also fills in some little cracks and, yeah. yeah yeah i was really happy with it um you know it, it went on it, it kind of goes on as like a light tar it kind of feels like a light yeah. tar like you're tar in the structure right but it but it doesn't um 
it doesn't uh, get rid of the uh, the the fine grained uh, what do you call it? Uh, features. Yeah. It didn't like you know cover up the features. Although I'll say this, um, I went with black just across the whole house. It looked great. I'm like, man, this looks great. Like it looks like an actual piece now. I'm gonna paint this. Uh, so my house is a, a how do you say it? Tudor house. Tudor. Okay. Tudor. I don't know how to like say the, that word. Like the Tudor family. Yeah, Tudor. Yeah. So it's like T- the white. T U D O R. Yeah. Okay. It's got like so it's got you know a nice dark wood with like a cream uh kind of like a cream plaster that the nice. people okay. you know put over it. The problem is painting a light cream plaster over yeah. a dark uh base. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm on like coat five right now. Yeah. Trying to trying to do that. So I think in the future I'm gonna have two. I'm gonna have a, a Mod Podge of a, a cup with the black one and a cup with just white paint. That's not just, a bad idea. Yeah, just so for those those light area, because I mean it looks great, and you know most of the time when I when I paint minis, I just base in one color anyways. But I've started basing in gray, um, yeah, gray or white because it's just so much easier. Like it's easy to darken it, and it's easier to lighten from that mid color versus all black yeah. trying to lighten up. Oh man, so many layers. And I think that's why a lot of people zenithal, right? Like they'll start yeah. black and then they'll do like a forty five degree of gray, and then they'll do a yep. topper of white. That's a lot of effort, too. I mean, it's not terrible if you have an airbrush, but it is a lot of effort. Yeah, I think once you get an airbrush, it really makes the zenithal a lot easier to do, yeah. but uh, for sure. But while I was doing that, so my, I'm almost done painting, uh, and then I think I'm going to grim dark my house, man. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah, because I got all the base acrylic on there, and I got a bunch of oils. I think I'm going to use the oils to, like, you know, make it all mucky and... Nice. Like it's put, an old, you know, tart up. blood on the door frame. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. There you go. No, Maybe no, no, come no, like streaking out of a window, like, you know, something <laughs> happens. I like it. Right. Put some hooks on the side with some uh, shriveled meat. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, <laughs> Not while that I was, dark. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you, the, the thing that took the longest, and um, you'll see this if you look at videos, and I can confirm, is the roof. Oh, my gosh. All the shingles. What did you make um, them out of? Just f- foam? So, yeah, I got, I got like really I'm looking at the foam. picture you posted in our Discord. You I should got post really... a picture. Sorry, you should, I'm saying something real quick. You should, <laughs> you should post a picture of <laughs> oh, you're this talking? on you're talking? Of, exactly. Are you talking? On Facebook. You should You should do it on our Facebook page. I should. I'm not a big social media. I should. I'm not a big social media guy, but I will. I'm just um, saying this because we've been getting a few views lately. Okay. I'll post, yeah. Uh, and I and actually, it's all like since I'm almost done painting before I've got the you know kind of the oil washes on, yeah. I'll um I can paint like a sequence, cool uh, yeah. of it. But yeah, what was I saying? Oh yeah, well, so when I was shingles. when I'm almost done painting the house, but you know the shingles, oh my gosh, man. So there's several approaches. There are a couple approaches, right? You can you can just cut out the individual shingles and then you just mm-hmm. put them one by one on. That seems um, tedious. It is tedious, but I mean, it gets the best look. Uh, yeah. Or you can do this approach where you actually do like a strip. Uh, you'll do a little strip of shingles that are all attached to the strip. So like yeah. uh, you'll cut out like a rectangle and instead of cutting the individual shingle, you'll just cut like halfway down the rectangle. So you get kind of like a little flippy area. Like if you remember the college campuses when people would post um, advertisements and they'd, they'd you could say tear off this phone number and there'd be like 10 phone numbers on the bottom of the sheet that were slit. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. A little, little pause there. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm was looking at the pictures you're doing it, and I was picturing in my mind how I would do it. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, so, so are you? Are they? Is it felt? What is that? So, um, so yeah. So if you have a uh, wire cutter, uh, like a Proxon is a brand, a Proxon uh-huh. wire cutter table, 
then you can you can take a block and you can you know just slice very thin layers. Oh, I see. Off to be able to give you your uh, shingles. Me, I just went and bought like you know like uh, probably three millimeter um, foam. Okay. Uh, a sheet of foam, a three mil sheet of foam. And then I just use it like an X-Acto knife to cut these little rows. And then, um, and then you just cut, you know, maybe like 30 or 40, uh, it's probably more like 20 rows and you just make these little shingles and then you just paste the rows on and you just kind of offset the rows a little bit. So it looks like you're doing hand, like each shingle by hand, but you're really cheating. Right. So it's funny because like, I mean, I'm looking at a very zoomed in picture of it and obviously you're like, oh, okay, I see each row right there. Mm -hmm. But once you get it painted and, um, you know, you put some washes on there, you put some streaks on there, you know, like, like water streak type stuff. And, um, you look at it from three feet away from the table. It's going to look amazing. Yeah. I even, I, even right now I've put, um, I've put a couple dry brushes on the roof. Um, just standing up, you know, from like three feet away, if you yeah. were playing on tabletop, yeah, just look, it's fine. It's good enough. You know, and, and that's the thing is it's terrain. Yeah. So like, I'm not killing myself with the paint, like trying to get the cracks perfect because right, it's right. going to, it's going to sit down as long as it doesn't distract, it'll do its job. Well, you and know? this leads into a future podcast episode, which we'll do called immersion in gaming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So fun project. Um, I think I've figured out how to uh, build this house again. This was my first time. Once I finish building this, uh, I'm probably going to do it again, but I'm going to I'm gonna build the sections and then I'm going to make a cast of it so that I can cast oh, nice. the house so that we can get make like a little, and I'll probably do like maybe a couple houses so that we can make like a little village or something. Nice. Uh, from where we game. Yeah. Uh, I think my scale is a little off. I, like, I don't think it's noticeable unless you look really closely. Like if I put like, if I put a uh, like a little towel guy next to it, it looks okay. Um, but it does look like it's a pretty big house relative to the towel guy. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters that much. It's, it's not just, overly. It's a mansion. It's a mansion. Yeah. It's so a it's one bedroom mansion. One bedroom cottage <laughs> mansion. <laughs> I want this house to be three thousand square feet with one yeah. bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it's funny because another another because I have a couple three D printed houses that we've used a few times when uh-huh. we played, and um, I set those next to them like, wow, this look this is really small compared to the other house. But then I took the mini and I put the mini in the other house. Is like, oh, there's enough room for this guy to like lay down, and that's it. Right in this house, so I'm like, oh, maybe the scale doesn't really matter so much. Yeah, when you're playing these mini games. But, yeah, I think you're right. But when I was when you know because the t- it's such an artist arduous process. Like, you know, it probably took me two hours to do the roof, like just laying oh, the wow. tiles on the roof. Yeah. So I put on a movie, um, you know, okay. and, and that's what the guys recommended. They said, just put on a movie and like, you know, do it while you're watching a movie. So I, yeah. I put on Blade Runner 2049 and do this. Oh, like the third, so good. This is like the third time I've seen that movie and I love this movie. I just, it is so good. You know, it's, I was, if, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was painting the other day, and I had the Hans Zimmer channel going, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and so Blade Runner came up a couple of times, and, you know, it's like the tears in the rain thing, kind of theme uh, that's yeah. played uh-huh. in both the original and in 2049. Yes. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this movie's so good. Both of them it's, are so good. It's, I mean, I, I, some people, they can't handle, like, slow-moving movies, right? Yeah. Slow progression, but I just think... 
this movie does not try to be something else. Like it just fully embraces like, you know, the slow pace. It's moments of action, but also the slow pace. I tell you, when you would when you adopt a slow pace and you just say this is what it is, there is so much opportunity to truly capture like human emotion oh, yeah. and response. And like you can just look at you can look at the actors and just you can travel with them with their epiphanies and their thought process. I just, I, 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 to me, it's like pure art, pure art form. It totally is, and and especially for the theme of what Blade Runner is, right? Which is, it, it, you said it, and I think you kind of said it inadvertently, but also on purpose, which is, you can capture the range of human emotion, right? Yeah. Which is kind of mm-hmm. interesting in Blade Runner, right? Because the whole point yeah. is, is what right? is human, yep. Yep. you know? And that's kind of the point, right? Is you're seeing what might be replicants aka skin jobs um displaying human emotion and working through that and you know you're like okay this is interesting you know yeah i mean the the whole premise of the book you know do do androids dream of electric sheep which is what blade runner was based off of was about empathy and Mm -hmm. i think we've talked about this before but it's you know can you know, empathy is is a sought after trait, and the replicants like they're trying to mimic empathy uh, amongst themselves. And you see a little bit of that in the movie with the um, I don't remember his name. Uh, uh, rest in peace. He passed away uh, a little a little bit ago. The guy who played the main uh, replicant in the first Blade Runner. What was his name? Oh. Um... Oh gosh! You're I know, me on this, I know, I know who you're talking about. Anyways, I'm gonna have to look. Um, you know, he and the girl replicant, the main girl replicant. Um, I and I feel bad for not remembering their names, but they mimicked like you know love, like when they would like kind of force kiss each other and yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were they were trying to mimic those emotions that they couldn't experience for themselves. Um, right. And you see that even in the second one. In, or well, in Blade Runner 2049, it's actually, which is actually like the one, two, three, four, it's probably like the sixth movie, if you'd count shorts. But um, uh, where K, you know, he's very just stoic from the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. But then as he starts to uncover, you know, the story and the plot, he starts to, you know, struggle with feeling these emotions um, mm-hmm. as he realized, you know, partly because he's had memories implanted in him that are leading to that. But yeah just uh, just a great uh great story great development it is long two hours and 30 two hours and 29 minutes but man well worth every moment experienced in that universe those are those movies that bring me to it's weird they bring me to an emotional tear you know when when yeah. i finish them i'm like oh, i just finished like the journey of these people or these you know beings yeah and uh and then i just sit there and just ponder and chew on it i just love that stuff man i eat it up rutger hauer yep mm-hmm. that was who played roy batty Tears roy batty did you know he improv that scene totally yeah the whole tears and, in the rain at the very end oh my gosh and it's like so emotional you're sitting here going like you feel for him that you know he had all these experiences you know and they're all just gonna go away because he's gone yeah you know? It's oh, it's just man so profound, yeah so profound. You know, and I, it's funny because I watch whenever I watch the original Blade Runner now, I I watch it in anticipation of the final scene. Oh yeah, like I'm just waiting 
and just taking and eating up the buildup in anticipation of that final scene because oh, yeah. it's just so profound. But, so uh, good. Boy, that got off. Anyways, so that was my geek week. What about <laughs> you, man? So good. Uh, mine was a little bit shorter. I've just been busy. My, you know, I'm coaching my son's rugby team, so I think I said this last time. It's it's like eating up several of my nights and mm-hmm. my geek time and stuff like that. So I really didn't get a lot of time to do stuff. Um, however, you and I did finish the Man of Medan. Um, uh, co-op horror story and boy, what a finish. Uh, I thought that that game, I mean, there were some kind of hokey moments about it, you know, like sometimes like walking around was a little awkward and interacting with your environment was a little awkward, Yeah. but the, the story and the way that they wove two perspectives together throughout, right? Uh You would see something, I would see something. We wouldn't see the same thing necessarily. We're constantly questioning each other. Did you see that? What did you oh, see yeah. when you said that? When they said that, what did they say? Because yeah. like we weren't sure, right? And I'm I'm like that was it was so well done to be able to like get you and I to question each other's playing because they they messed with us from the very get go, from the very get go, you know. And our perceptions were different. And I thought that yeah. that is, I mean, what other game has really done that? Um, like on a on an Xbox game, you know what I mean, where like two players have two different perspectives in the game. You know, it's you know? interesting. At the very beginning of that game, I, we didn't talk about this last time, but um, you know, I was down under the water, like deep diving uh-huh. with two of the characters. Meanwhile, you were up on the boat, like you know, flirting with the captain. Yeah. And um, I'm on my way back up to the uh, boat from diving and we can, you know, we're looking up to the water. We can see the boat up there. All of a sudden I see this explosion of fire. (laughs) I mean, it looked like the boat just exploded the back half of the boat. I'm like, Holy crap. And then every, you know, my character's like, we've got to go to the service. No, we have to wait to decompress. And so we're sitting there like waiting to decompress. And you know, it's just like on fire. And I'm like, do what's going on up there. And you're like, Oh, I just, uh, you know, like I put too much lighter fluid on the grill. (laughs) I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but it it looked like the boat exploded, oh, man. It was so my good. We had just some, like, eh, just, yeah. you know, I lit the grill. <laughs> the characters were fun to play. I mean, they were um, they were unique enough that, like, when you started playing with them, like Conrad, you know, and the captain, yeah. and, like, we were just kind of, like, getting into the roles. So it was a fun game. Like, uh, again, Xbox Game Pass killing it right here. There's a free game that you can go play with your buddy and uh, download it. Uh, it took us, what, probably six hours to play total? Yeah, yeah. You I know? Think it, and it re- probably retailed around 20 or 30 bucks a person. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was great two nights of entertainment for us. And, yeah, totally. uh, you know, I mean, in, in retrospect, it was kind of free for us because of the Games Pass. So it was great time really yeah, fun say, time not yeah. everybody made it out alive no and i don't know if we had a choice in. i mean i think we had a choice in it i uh i know that i messed up some of my challenges yeah. <laughs> i had a problem with rhythm that night so yeah. oh man we're like we're like back up a wall and this this bad guy's like right in front of us but not facing us and yeah. you have to do like an a hit the a button timed but we're both doing it yeah. I swear we got all the way to him. I was like, okay, we totally got this. And then I hear you go, no! <laughs> and then he turns around and starts running at us. Ugh. 
That was so great. And then like I kept trying to jump across that giant hole and I couldn't like couldn't get the buttons right. It was yeah. yeah. I just you know, and I wonder if, if like if you had gotten across the hole and gotten them right, like would I have been able to get across? Because I had to go around, like, and would that would that have changed what happened in yeah. the last part? Yeah. There's just so many thoughts. You know? Yep, yep. So I thought it was a great game. Um, it was a good find on your part, and uh, I they have another one that is out that's like I think what twenty nine dollars. Yeah, thirty bucks. And I'm just kind of hoping it comes to Games Pass that we can pick it up there. Me too. So yeah, uh, it's relatively new. I think it came out in December. So you know, I don't know if I would. Here. Yeah, I don't know if I would pay. <laughs> Here's the thing: if Game Pass didn't exist, maybe. But because Game Pass exists, I probably will not pay the thirty dollars. Right. Because there's and, just so many other things to play. And you have to realize too, it's thirty dollars each person. Yeah. Right? So sixty so, total. Sixty total. So anyway, but hey, it's a great game. If you got yep. Games Pass, go do it. It's it was so much fun. So much fun. So, uh, yeah, my other kind of geeky thing is I was uh, looking at the Warhammer reveal today. Today is like uh, the Warhammer Fest week of Warhammer that they have going on. Um, today was the Age of Sigmar um, section, so they revealed some new um, Soul Blight, which is their vampire line, and they're really gearing up for it. And it looks like, um, you know, this summer is probably when they're going to come out with the entire Soul Blight army, you know, uh, which is, again, the vampire army. And there's rumors that it is going to be the box that kicks off uh, AOS 3.0. 3, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they'll, it'll be in there with um, probably another Stormcast army. So I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I look at the... I look at the... Um, uh, like the vampire-esque models that they released mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're very confusing to me like okay. my brain has a hard time processing what i'm seeing it's like a giant like manticore bat thing with like a half human torso where the head should be yeah i didn't understand that apparently that's the mother of the nightmares which is like the vampires that used to like be on a nightmare steed right so so she like merged with the nightmares so so what's kind of interesting is also with this reveal so yeah you had this vampire lady that was like a nightmare centaur essentially right yeah um and what's interesting is they had another reveal which was um, basically this centaur, big centaur guy, and that was um, Crag, Cragros, Kyrgos, Slippy, Slappy, Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> Crag, it's on the Cragros. briefcase. Yeah, exactly. Oh gosh, I'm gonna be looking this up for a little bit, but it's um anyway, it he he was this like kind of centaur um model and he's now like a demigod basically kind of like you know marathi oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and stuff like that and but he's like a destruction guy i was super surprised because he looks like he should be a beast of chaos Uh, that's what i was totally thinking when i saw him i thought it was a beast of chaos model yeah and and so i'm sitting here going like what does not look like a destruction model no um so there were some rumors i was i was listening to warhammer weekly um, just kind of cut the last of their podcast. They think that they're they might port over some Beasts of Chaos factions into destruction, like that he's kind of calling some of his boys home. Hmm. 
into destruction, which I always kind of thought that Beats of Chaos, I know that they're chaosy, right? I mean, it's in the name. But I also felt like they always kind of fit well in destruction as well. Like they're just like a giant bunch of giant goat men yeah, I always and thought, centaurs yeah. that just wanted to destroy everything. You know, like and that seems to fit in destruction versus chaosy, which is about corruption. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of I'll tell you what. The first time I ever saw I saw Beast of Chaos on the table. If it wasn't for the word chaos in the name, I would have thought they were destruction. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see. I think it would be kind of a cool thing if they ported over Beasts of Chaos into into destruction. You know, they just kind of and and what their what their thing was is that they may come out with a new book for them, and they may have a faction that is chaosy. Like if you want to play chaos, here's what your faction looks like with their abilities, and you turn the page, and if you want to play chaos, if you want to play destruction. Beast of Chaos, this is what your faction looks like. Okay, so I get it now. The these vampires, they're like they're like centaurs, but they're like vampire bat centaurs. Right. See, so I, and, I see yeah. it now. Uh, it's just it's, it's just weird seems looking. so weird. Yeah. I'm not a fan of I'm not terribly a fan of it. Um I like the new direwolf models, those are pretty cool. Um, and I do like some of the, like the Radiker, the wolf. So that guy, um, he's like in his beast form in there, but he's in human form in the Curse City box that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of cool too. Yeah. So I, overall, I like them that, that kind of half vampire, half like flying beast thing was kind of weird to me, but I'm sure that the vampire fanboys are gonna be all over it. All right. So when do you think 3.0 is gonna hit? July. That's, that's just around the corner, man. Yeah, that's that's when they do it. Like that's when they always release their things. Is they'll make it a big announcement in June, and you know, end of July is when they'll release it, and you know, we'll have facts out for them in August. That's my opinion. So, um, that's what they did with the. Soul Blight one or uh, Soul Wars. That's what they did with the uh, last one, which was the yeah Aether Storm or whatever it was. Anyway, I'll have to figure out if I'm going to finish my ogre painting my ogre army. Well, you know, I mean, the thing is, is that destruction guy looks like he might be pretty sweet in an ogre army. Yeah, but I don't like the theme. Okay, I'm be honest. I'm gonna be honest. Uh, a big furry centaur with my ogres just doesn't feel right. They showed a picture of it in the the reveal, you know, like they had a reveal video. Yeah. And I'm not gonna lie, he looked kind of awesome, like with a bunch of like Gorgrunts charging around him, and um, also gluttons. It, I thought it looked kind of cool. Well, he's a he's a he's a god of destruction. Mm-hmm. Um. So it, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it looked kind of cool. So, I don't know. We'll see. Who knows? Who knows? But anyway, that was kind of my geek week. It was a little bit more mellow this week. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun playing the game and uh, always excited to see what's coming with Age of Sigmar. I, I hear it's not super fun to play right now. Didn't we talk about that kind of last time? Um, There's just some things with the meta that are going on. It's in the weird transition phase where I think that some armies are optimized for 3.0. And there's a lot that are not. And so things just aren't working right. 
you know what, what I mean? do you think what do you think is going to be a major change you think we're going to get rid of the uh you think terrain rules and get rid of the uh uh the turn oh so did you see that spoiler video that uh lincoln sent me so i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to say what you just said. Did I see the spoiler video that Lincoln sent you? I know, but I shared it in our gaming chat. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Did you see so... that? Did you hear about that thing that my wife told me about? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, so the there's a couple of rules changes that are, are kind of interesting. One, the priority turn is not going away. Um, now, these are all unconfirmed rumors, but apparently from a well- vetted source so take them for what you will right that's good um, because i heard a rumor yeah to, to an a uh, umbrella academy throwback yeah but agree. I, I heard a rumor that the only reason the priority turn was there was because of a mishap in an instructional video when age of signar was originally released oh that's hilarious it was I think like i heard that too yeah, it like wasn't intentionally that it wasn't there originally, but then in the instruction video on the next turn, like the person was like, "Now we roll the dice to see who gets to go first. and then it got fact. I don't know if that's oh, true or not. Oh, you know what? No, no, no. You know what that was? That was what? to roll off in the beginning, because the way that it was before is if you placed all your stuff first, you were supposed to go first. Oh, got it. Yep. Uh, but okay. the priority roll was always there after always every there. turn. Yeah. yeah. So I- I'll um, say what I said before. I think the priority roll. Yeah. If the prior roll is going to stay, the shooting has to get handled. I agree. So, um, so a couple things. One, they did a lot of research apparently, and and what this guy was saying on this video is that um, turn three, whoever seems to get the priority on turn three usually wins the game, like unless they have been absolutely obliterated in the first two turns. Right? You, just, you have that tactical decision you can make. Yeah, that's and so strong. usually exactly, and usually your units are kind of together. You know what I mean? Like you you've moved yeah. them into the positions that they need to be. And so um, what they're going to do from what I heard is that if you are the second player in round three, so if you roll the dice and um, you end up going second in that round, you get to choose an objective to burn and it's gone. So that kind of changes the strategic decision quite a bit, especially if you think about playing in like um, – you know, uh, places of arcane power or like a duality of death, that type of game where like you may have Marathi sitting on an objective that's getting them points every turn and, you know, they get as many points for that round, you know, so like in round three, you should get three points, round four, four points, round five, five points. And all of a sudden you go second and you can burn that objective all of a sudden, like that's no more points for them that she has to then do something. You know what I mean? So I think it's interesting. Um, I don't know if it's totally going to solve the problem. I don't but... think it's strong enough because if you win the turn, you still have the choice on whether or not you want to go second so that you can choose which objective to burn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then it would give the person the top turn to do what they wanted to do first. You know That's what I mean? True. So yeah, I guess we'll see. So, I mean, I, I think it's something. Um, I, I haven't really heard a definitive um decision on terrain but i you got to think that that is going to be addressed um and i think it's going to be similar to 40k terrain um just because the 40k terrain is so much better you know like they they, the rules for 40k terrain actually do things to the game so yeah 
I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the, okay, so let's talk about the command that what, what terrain really mattered in the prior, in current AOS, like commanding, that, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I've seen damned come into place a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, you could get the, the reroll ones to hit. Right. Yeah. Uh, the others, really... uh, inspiring presence was a big one for yeah, wizards, you know, but... cause that gave you a plus one to cast. That was a big deal. Um, but, uh, I mean, the problem is you had to have your wizard stay there, and sometimes that inspiring presence terrain was, like, too far away from every, anything yeah. else, you know? Yeah. But sometimes it was optimally placed where they could just start slinging, you know? And yeah. that was enough to get them over the edge, you know? So, uh, yeah, but, like, overgrown, didn't do much. Half like, the time people just forgot about it. Yeah, I mean... Another thing is the cover rules. I feel like most AOS games I played, people just ignored cover yeah it came to like terrain right exactly and they're kind of confusing too because it's like well if you charge in there then you can ignore the cover rules mm -hmm. but if you fight in there i don't know it's it's it was kind of confusing a little weird it wasn't it wasn't as straightforward um so yeah i think they need a revamp for the terrain um and who knows what if that's going to happen um i did hear oh oh here's a here's two big things one Command points are being going to be used like um, kind of like the Bone Reapers uh, command points, you know, where you have to like roll a set of dice every round and then it gives you like you may roll like six dice and every four up is a command point that you can use for certain abilities. And then at the end of the round, they all go away if you haven't used them. So hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, so I, that's they said that that it's going to be that way instead of just getting one per turn, you know. Um, the other big thing, this is a huge thing, battalions are going away, and the way you build your army is changing. Whoa, that's huge! That's yeah, a big significant change. It is, and so it's going to be more like the forty k list build, which is your quote unquote battalion is going to say, okay, you need X amount of heroes, X amount of battle line, X amount of like whatever else, you know what I mean? And that is your battalion. And it may give you, depending on how you build it, it may give you an advantage. Like maybe you roll three extra dice for your command dice or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, but all those abilities that you get for your battalion, you know, so like uh, the death riders battalion for night hunt, for example, Let's me take all those units in that in that thing, drop them all at once, and then um, they all get plus one to their charge. And if they get a charge off on a nine plus, they get a fight immediately in the charge phase. So there's that ability for that battalion. All that's going away. All those like battalion abilities are going. That's away. just totally gonna mix up all the lists. Totally, and I think that yeah. that was kind of their intention. Is like there's a lot of underutilized units out there. That just oh, don't yeah, see the absolutely. light of day because there's no good battalions for them, and um, and uh, I think what they'll move to is more sub factions. So like you'll see that like you know yep, um, yep. there'll be a there'll be a, a chain rasp style sub faction that gives them certain abilities if you meet the requirements that you bring. You know what I mean? In as a as that battalion, that type of thing. So. Um, It'll be well. It'll be a sub faction type thing. So, I don't know. I I think that that's where they're going to move to is sub factions and not battalions. And that way you can use units that you normally wouldn't 
wouldn't use. You know, I mean, I'm looking at my shelf right now, and then I'm like, I never use those units because like there's just no good battalion for for them in the game at all. You know, so um, you just don't see it. So like Fire Slayers, for example, they have one good list, one good list that that, that is competitive. And so maybe now you'll see more Magma Dross come out and maybe more use of other other units because they will not have the same battalion abilities, you know? Interesting. Yeah. So a uh, lot of interesting rumors with it. I think that it's going to be a big summer for Age of Sigmar, uh, just like last summer was a big summer for 40K. So I think it'll be good. Uh, I think the changes from what I hear are positive and, and I'm looking forward to them. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, buddy. We have some news. We have some news. Do, 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 do. There you go. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we got into Mario. <laughs> yeah. uh, good, good times, good times. Yeah, so uh, uh, jumping in for Dan and his absence, uh, two news items that he pulled out for us. One, Jeff Goldblum is going to star in the Dungeons & Dragons podcast Dark Dice. So this will be interesting, right? He yeah. uh, has kind of an iconic voice. Um, very very he's much done, so. Yeah, he's done a lot of voiceovers. He's done a lot of acting, famous for Jurassic Park. Um, yep, also uh, a lot of people don't know, but also famous for uh, Prince of Egypt, a family favorite of ours, a nice Sunday movie. Oh, that's very that true. We throw on. Yeah, he's a strong, uh, strong role in there. Uh, the uh, brother of Moses. Yep. Um so um, he is going to be playing the uh, elven sorcerer Balmer in the upcoming audio series. You know, I I feel like everybody was so concerned if they could, nobody stopped to ask if they should. <laughs> right. Right. I had to. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyways, that'll be interesting uh, to see. Uh, so. Quick question. What's your thoughts on all of the different podcasts, play podcasts? So I'm going to be honest with you. I have never gotten into um, into actual play podcast stuff. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like even Critical Role, like I just don't, I just don't find myself gravitating towards that kind of content. I feel yeah, like I, yeah, I feel like I would. I just want to play it, you know. So that's the thing. Know. Like, uh, you know, I there were a few. There have been a few times where I have listened to it, but it never lasts for me. Uh, now, there's one thing where it's like there's play podcasts, and then there's like you know audio drama podcasts, right? And I think this one that Jeff is going to be doing with Dark Dice, it's very much more of an audio drama focus that's just driven by the dice. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that maybe it'll be interesting, but um, I I'm with you, man. I just I listen to it. I'm like, ah, oh, I just kind of wish I was playing. What if what if okay? So instead of like live playing, you know, where you're like, okay, you know, you hear the DM just be like, all right, roll for to see if you hit. Like, what if you played it all out, right? So your episode, you're, you know, you're in episode ten or whatever, and you've got your adventure and. Before you record, sit down and record. You play out the adventure tabletop, and you know the DM saying roll, roll the hit, roll the you know wound, all that stuff. And you've mapped out. You've then mapped out your entire episode, and then you go back and you write the episode according to how the dice rolled for you and the decisions that you made in that game, and you made that a drama. 
Uh, so let the dice determine the drama. Yeah, I mean, like, the, let the whole game. So you play your characters and stuff like that, but then after you're all done, you recap it by writing the script and then recording the drama so that, like, the story is driven completely by the the game you played and the scenario, but it's there's no break for... You know what I mean? Like, it's been yeah, dramatized. Yeah. It'd be kind of interesting. It would be. Um, uh, it would take consume a little bit of time. Oh, it'd take a lot of time because you would have to. <laughs> right. I mean, writing that script you have afterwards. To play a game. And oh then, boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you could essentially, you essentially, um, what you could do is you could play, and then you could have one group play the game, yeah. and then the outcome of that group's playing basically does uh, like uh, cues for the next group that audio dramas it. That'd be interesting. That would yeah. be interesting to see the different interpretations. Yeah. Uh, on how it went. Yeah. I don't Basically, know if, it would be super... if you want to if you want to do this, you'd have to have no kids. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'd be interesting. I guess we could write. You could write a. Uh, you could probably write an AI to do the entire thing for you. Yeah. Play the game, roll the dice, determine the outcomes, and then write the script. Yeah. Um, and well, at least write the uh, the scenes, and then right, right, people right. would still have to uh, draw it out. Anyways. That was one of the news items. Uh, interesting. If you're interested, Dark Dice, Jeff Goldblum, coming up. Nice. Uh, ne- next one is, um, I don't know if you know, Pixar had a movie that came out right kind of before COVID hit or right when COVID was getting ramped up as Onward. I did. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. It I thought it was a good movie. It was fun. It was yeah. fun. It was a fun movie, but, you know, two brothers going on kind of an adventure, and it's kind of in a D&D setting. Yeah. Uh, a little bit, you know, there's magic, there's, um, you know, the creature that like all the characters are like actual different races and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's except it's, good. Yeah, except it's also kind of in like a, uh, you know, that skinned on top of a modern. So they like they're in high school and right. you know, so it's weird stuff like that. But anyways, I guess I don't know if it's Pixar or, you know, they're basically a company is releasing a boxed edition like role-playing game of onward disney's onward uh so yeah pretty cool if you look at the pictures you know so search uh quest your onward disney pixar you'll see it's it's a very small game it looks kind of like a just a very small box game the rule books are not hard bound uh looks like there's pre-sheets right there's a couple card decks and stuff looks like maybe it could be you know, I guess the the article says it looks like it's a pint-sized Gloomhaven. Right, where the DM is driven by the book, essentially, right? Maybe, but there is a DM shield, so I think there still is a DM. So maybe more okay. like a Descent? I don't right, know, maybe. except I don't yeah, think there's yeah, yeah. a board game. I think it's more just, you know, you've you've got a book that has uh, pre-gened quests in it set in the Onward universe. Yeah. And you play one of the characters from the movie. So yeah. could be cool if you um you don't it comes with a couple action. minis it looks like yeah um that you can use and you got dice in there it's a it's a great like out of the box starter game it looks like yeah it looks like there actually are tiles uh to it um uh, but uh, yeah it does it you know if you got kids that really like the movie could be fun I think it's only like fifty bucks so I'm kind of surprised like I feel like it's a little late for it to be coming out though. You know Here's the I mean? yeah totally. Um, I mean that's this movie was fun, but it's totally fallen off of my family's radar. 
Yeah, like it's and just I mean, gone. Like, how many people really remember this movie? A lot of people had a hard time even remember it, like after they saw it, like because you know, I mean, one of the big draws of Disney Plus in the beginning was that you got to watch this. You didn't have to go to the theater for this movie, you know, because they decided to stream it instead of um, just leave it to languish in the movie theaters um, during you know the COVID pandemic. So you know, a bunch of people saw it and they're just like, "Oh yeah, that movie." What's it about again? You know what I mean? And so, I don't know. I mean, it, I, it's terrible timing. It sucks. But I don't, I mean, I feel like this should have come out eight months ago, nine months um, ago. Pa- yeah, part of me is wondering if it was going to come out when the movie was going to have more longevity before right. you know, COVID kind of did everything. And then maybe they maybe it paused and then finally Disney's, Disney's like, you know, let's just kick it out the door, make what we can on it. Yep. And yep. uh, move on, but and it's only fifty bucks. It could be fun for kid if you want to get your kind of kids started in it, um, that kind of stuff. But uh, see, no play, no plays or anything like that. So can't vouch for how the system actually works. Right, and the minis are okay. I mean, they're what I would expect out of one of these boxes. Yeah, they're, they're good yeah. enough to be able to play and feel like you have your character. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. for sure, for sure. So that's cool. it for news, man. All right, unless you got anything right. else. I, I don't. I think I talked about Warhammer enough in the rumors there. Yeah, we kind of so, hit that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so let's move on to the main topic, buddy. Uh, today we are talking about how to run a game for noobs. This is kind of inspired by your running a game for people at your work, and I just recently ran it you know, at my work. And of the six people that played my game, zero had ever touched a 20-sided dice before. Mm-hmm. There you go. You know, like zero. So um, what we want to talk about today is like if you are a GM or you want to introduce your friends to, you know, some of these role playing games and you were totally into it. What should you do to make sure that they have a good time and maybe want to come back for it? Yeah, right? it's a great. It's a great. Great question. So here. Here's the first thing I would say. Um, oh, so hold on. Are we doing pro tips first? Oh, okay. or are we doing pitfalls first? Let's do let's do pro tips first. Pro tips. Let's All right. Do pro tips. All right, ladies and gentlemen, buckle in because Jason's about to regale you with some pro tips. Okay. With that nice, <laughs> nice, really high setup there, uh, I was just gonna say, make sure you got pictures, um, <laughs> because you know seasoned players get used to you know the imagination oh, yeah. and the theater of the mind, and you know like I I am. I am a hundred percent a theater of the mind RPG guy. Like I don't, I don't like. Well, I don't. No, uh, let me correct myself. I like playing with minis. I like put them on the tabletop, but I prefer uh, theater of the mind because I just love the freedom of the thought exercise that goes around it. It goes a little bit quicker. Yeah. Yeah, it goes a little bit quicker. But I'll say this: um, when I've done, and I've done it several times, when I've done uh, sessions for people who have never played an RPG. Maybe haven't even really played anything that's like on the order of science fiction or fantasy. Like these people, you know, people who have only played like, you know, Milton Bradley board games. Right. Kind of stuff. Maybe uh, I, Settlers of Catan, right? Maybe. Yeah, nowadays, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, and I typically do not do a homebrew. I'll pick something out of the box to verify that it's balanced. Yep. And... Usually, if you get something out of the box, there's a lot of reference material, like pictures of like all of the scenes, little maps, you maps, yeah, yeah, all that stuff, and all of those visual aids are so important to people who aren't used to like 
they don't have any reference in their head. They don't have any reference for this stuff. That's a um, I mean, that's a great point. These these box yeah. sets are so designed for the brand new player because yep. they're colorful. The maps are really cool to look at, you know, and, and the yeah. character sheets look really good. So um, that's a great, great, great. Solution. So that would be my first pro tip is uh, a visual aids for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. What about you? Uh, my pro tip is play the rule of cool. You know what I mean? Like uh, it is so easy in in role playing games to get wrapped around the rules. And I think if you've got and, and don't get me wrong, the rules are there for a reason. The rules are there to help balance things out a little mm-hmm. bit more, especially if you've got a like a really good veteran group. They will try to bend and break those rules as often as they can. And so you really need to like crack down on them sometimes and be like, no, you can't like, there's no way that you can do that because of X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Because you know that if you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And next thing you know, they're like one shotting a, you know, two headed giant, you know, and you're like, dang it. I don't care if you (laughs) got a natural 20, you have a minus five intelligence. You can't read the book. Exactly. So, um, okay. You can open it. You can open it. (laughs) So, uh, so, but I think it's very different when you have brand new players because they don't know the rules and they don't know how to exploit them the way that, you know, the advanced players do. And so I, you know, if they're asking to do, if your new player is asking to do something, it's not because they're trying to get the one over. They're just trying to flex their imagination. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, and so. Yeah, so let them do it. Let them try it, you know. And yeah. and they may not succeed, but be like, go for it. Roll the dice. Let's see what you get, you know. Yeah. And really encourage them to get into it, you know. And um, so play the rule of cool. If if you know, like, hey, so let me give you an example from the other night. Um, I printed out all these character sheets, right? And I ran kind of a modified Shadow of the Demon Lord with them because, um, oh no, sorry, it was a D and D. It was it was a D and D adventure from my Shadow of the Demon Lord adventure that I had made, right? So I made D and D characters and ran it in a D and D world because uh, they wanted to play quote unquote D and D. So yeah. so we ran a D and D version of it, and I'll be honest with you, I ha- I didn't realize that when I printed out their character sheets, they had spells on the back, but none of the spells were told like told them what they could do mm-hmm. you know and so i'm just like oh ice knife you get this sweet ice dagger that you can pierce through like armor with <laughs> you know what i mean which is i mean kind of what it does but like when it came to damage i'm like yeah roll a 1d8 cool you got it you know what i mean and i i don't know it could have been a 1d6 it could have been a 1d4 i don't care i didn't <laughs> right, care exactly. in the moment yeah do you know what it like it really didn't matter in the moment just let no. them just roll the dice and tell me what they got you know and and i could have stopped the game looked through my rule books and been like well actually first you need to roll this and you need to roll that and you know what i mean and i'm just like i i'm not gonna do that because we i want to keep this thing fun and lively and moving so the rule of cool there was like, you know, uh, one of them said, well, I want to cast this earthquake spell. I'm like, okay, well, it affects everybody in the area. So now everybody's got to roll, which it turned out that's what it did. But, you know, I, I might have like up the damage a little bit, but it doesn't matter, you know. But the, <laughs> the whole point was, is that like, it was a cool, fun choice that she made. And everybody was like, hey, why are you doing that? You know, and. 
anyway, it was it, it, play the rule of cool. Let them do their thing. If you don't know the rule right off of hand, do what you think is best and just go with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So another tip I would throw out, and, and I typically, this is a no-no for me when I'm playing with people who are experienced yeah. um, or having a hardcore session. Uh, but with new players, I find this helps them learn what RPGs are all, one of the aspects of RPGs, uh, which is just dice and how the dice determine what's happening, is I, I will make up opportunities for them to roll that don't matter. Ah, uh, But yeah. so it'd be like, you know, they'll be like, well, <clears throat> you know, I, uh, I want, I really want to know like, you know, something and I'll say, just roll the dice. Like, even if it doesn't matter, just roll the dice or, yeah, you know, right. You know, can I, can I see if I have anything in my pack that could help me? Yeah, sure. Just roll the dice. Mm-hmm. I just um, make up opportunities for them to roll. Most of the time, you know, they can be legitimate, but sometimes I don't even care what they roll. I just, they roll the <laughs> yeah. dice and it's like, oh, I only got a five. That's okay. And then you we've talked about this in prior podcasts, right? It's you can just word it in a way that makes it sound like maybe they didn't get everything, but they got a little bit and what they that little bit they got was really everything anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Right? <laughs> but uh, give them opportunities to understand what it means to roll the dice and have the dice help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it, especially cuz at the end of the day, these are people that are like, what is this weird looking dice? Like, I want to play with it, you know? Yeah, and they yeah, want to yeah. play it. They want to roll it. They want to see what happens and how it affects them. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just make stuff up. As long as you're doing what you said, you're playing it cool so that there's no way they can roll the dice and get themselves in a situation that makes it impossible for them to move on. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that with our mysteries, right? Yep. Which is yeah. like, don't hinge game altering decisions on a right. dice roll. Yeah, you know, but I love that idea. I love the idea of just saying like, "Oh, you know, do you know this? How to roll a dice?" Well, you can't recall, yeah. you know, really this, but you get a feeling that you've heard this before. You know what I mean? And you're like, "Oh," and they're like, "Oh, that's interesting." Yeah, you know? and you're like, "Okay, cool." Yeah. <laughs> you know? And then the next time so. when they next time when they try to do a thought roll and they get like an eighteen, you're like. You, you know, you can be like, "Oh, you can recall back from when you were a young, young lad, <laughs> yeah. and and a and a certain professor came through town, and you know, or and taught you about this one topic." And they're like, "Ooh, okay, I understand now. Got it." Yeah, and then you start tying like background and all that yeah. stuff, you know. And um, what's really cool is if you do this right in the beginning, by the end, they're already rolling the dice when they're asking the question. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? They're just like they know, and they're like, "Wait, wait." wait, wait you know which one am i rolling which one am i rolling but but they're already rolling the dice you know because yeah excited about it and, and then you get to the part where they uh you start hearing people rolling dice and you look over and like hey uh why are you rolling dice <laughs> oh i was gonna ask you a question okay cool why don't we ask the question first and <laughs> yeah, then we'll <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's good that's good uh, all right my have we yeah, all had those players at the table where they like they roll the dice just like they're rolling just on the yeah. side when it's not their turn. Oh, I got a 20. I'm going to set the side and use it on my next roll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you're not. No, you're yeah, not. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, my pro tip is fudge. Fudge the numbers. Oh fudge the numbers. Fudge, fudge away. Pull punches. I, I, I loathe doing this with my experience group. I, if I can kill you, I will kill you. I will not oh, pull yeah. punches. You know what I mean? 
Um, if I, it, you know, if you fail at something and you just don't get it, like there's consequences, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For, for doing that. And the, the reason I can do that is because, you know, when I'm playing with my experienced group, they know to play themselves in a way that they hedge their bets a little bit so that if something does happen, like, okay, I'm going to try and jump over this thing, but I'm tying off a rope around my waist because they know that if they try to do it without a rope, they could die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, a, a new player may not understand that. And they're like, okay, I'm just going to try and jump across this 80 foot chasm. <laughs> okay. Let's try right. it. You know, yeah. and you're like, Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, Seems like, reasonable. Oh. and uh, when they fail, you're like, Oh, you tripped and slid right up to the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude. you almost went over. You it's know? like, dude, <laughs> I wouldn't even try to step across an 80 foot chasm. If you were my GM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, so fudge that. The other thing too is, um, I mean, in, 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 this is in the kind of the whole blanket statement of fudge the numbers. Um, if they're in a, in a big fight with a big bad guy and it's going like three, four, five rounds and combat starting to feel a little tedious. I don't care if it feels that way with my experienced players because I'm usually trying to wear down their spells. I'm wearing down their abilities so that the, it gets into a real like fist fight at the end. You know what I mean? Um, with my noob group, if it's getting into like four or five rounds, you better kill that guy off pretty quick. You know what I mean? So if like if they hit that guy and He's got 20 hit points left, and they do 12 damage. Ah, dude, you killed him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, let's just end it and move on this. Move on with the story. Well, like, Rob Swald, when we interviewed him on a prior podcast, you know, the Shadow of the Demon Lord creator, he he was very adamant. He said, you know, when when an encounter stops being fun, you end the encounter. Yeah. You know, you get the five rounds of combat, and people start to get frustrated. You find a way to help them finish it off. Yeah. Or finish them off either way, but you know, one way or the other. And and so that is where, you know, I think that the GM can take I you know, in a in a healthy veteran group, a GM can take a very adversarial role and that's okay. You know what I mean? It, now they shouldn't be adversarial the whole time. I think yeah. that that's not healthy, but there are no. times where they can be very adversarial and that's okay and that's fun too. You know what I mean? Cuz it switches things up. Um, I would say you should never, ever, ever, ever be adversarial in a noob game, and the bet the tie should always go to the players. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So we're we're kind of getting into the pitfalls. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's now. true. There we go. So we've already started moving into it. Yep. So yeah. So there's my pitfall right there. Don't ever be adversarial with your players, where you think like, okay, I've got this really cool encounter. It's gonna totally kill them if they make the wrong moves. And, you know, ooh, they made a mistake and I am just going to punish them for it. You know, um, that's that's kind of dangerous, you know, and I think that's kind of dangerous for a lot of gaming groups. Um, if you've got a veteran group like doing that every now and then, like punishing them for a mistake that they made, I think could add some interesting tension and drama into the story. Mm-hmm. Um it, which I think would be interesting. Like somebody dies, you lose, you lose like, you know, a, an important thing that you need for your storyline or something like that happens. Um, you do that, you do that with new players and they're just going to get frustrated because they don't understand how the game's played. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if I, if I were to take Nick 
one of our like one of my favorite players in our gaming group and I were to punish him for something he'd be like okay and he would think about how does he recover from that you know what I mean and he'd mm-hmm. be okay with it a new player would just get frustrated yep yeah agreed which kind of gets to um you know we mentioned it a little bit ago and I'm just going to reemphasize it here especially with especially with noobs or new new players don't make anything critical to the story dependent on dice uh because a lot of the times these you know i what I, at least what i found is these new players um they're not used to problem solving in these kinds of contexts yeah so you know if experienced players if they fail some critical aspect of the story they will think creatively about something you know another way to solve the problem and the dm has the liberty to you know allow the story to bend or something to to have a good experience uh with with new players if they you know if they think oh i gotta solve the uh i gotta solve the limerick and they just fail on their intelligence check and they can't figure it out they just might they might be deer in the headlights right uh okay what happens now like i just have no idea what to what to do so be very careful about having things like be very critically dependent on dice roll for problem solving uh, with new new characters because they're just they're just not used to and it's not that these people aren't problem solvers yeah. they're just not used to doing it in this context what what they don't know what all the tools are that are available to them to solve the problems yeah and and um, some some one of the ways to I think avoid some of that pitfall is if somebody's trying to figure out a puzzle and they failed their knowledge check right. Um, do a group check at that point. Who would like to help? Who would like to help this person help figure it out? You know, two heads are better than one, guys. You know what I mean? Like, who wants to help them out? And all of a sudden, you got three people rolling. You know what I mean? For it, and somebody gets it, and they're like, oh, "Okay, well, you you have heard this before, and now like you're reminded of this little poem that your mom used to tell you." Yeah. You know, and and then you you're able to you know let the person who's trying to figure it out like know what that poem is type of thing. You know what I mean? And so like one of the one of the good ways is if they get stuck, um, is offer up like group group assistance because that is something that I don't think comes natural to um some of the folks like i think we're all used to kind of problem solving on our own and not realizing that like oh hey i can lend some of the skills that are on my sheet to that person to help them figure out what they're trying to do you know and so um this is another thing that i think if you do it right in the beginning and you set the tone of like hey you all have different skill sets that you can help each other out with um by the end they're like hey can i help them do this thing you know, and as a DM, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Like, what, uh, you know, why don't you both roll it? And then you just kind of like, okay, you know, like add the scores together or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Again, that's kind of the rule of cool. Um, and they feel like they both get to participate and they both accomplish something, you know, without without one player feeling frustrated that they got stuck. Yeah. And, you know, the rule of cool, there's so many, so many opportunities, you know, it's look at the professions that they have. Find yeah. ways to use the professions to help them solve. But anyway, so we're on the, the pitfall section. But yeah, so I w- <laughs> well, that I was would... solving a pitfall, right? <laughs> right, pitfall. right, solving a pitfall. <laughs> uh, what's another pitfall? Uh, okay, so I think I think I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier with the rule of cool, which is avoid too many rules. 
mm -hmm. know, um, because I think a pitfall is being like, well, I have GM'd all of this and I know every spell front to back. And so when they say, okay, I'm going to cast a spell and they roll for their attack and you're like, well, actually you have to roll this dice instead of that dice. Just let them roll the dice. You know what I mean? And and then come up with an outcome. Like if, if they're rolling with it, like I, I think about I think about um that scene in Animal House, you know, where John Belushi's like getting upset and he's like, you know, did we give up when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? <laughs> and you know, the guy turns to his other friend, he goes, The Germans? And he goes, Shut up, he's on a roll. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I, I think like I think that like our our rules can get in the way um too many rules right being the rules lawyer can get in the way of people having a good time and so you know like be careful about over being like well actually that's not the rule for this so you couldn't you can't climb it that way or that's not the rule for this so um you know, you're, you'd have to roll another dice to let you know if that's the way you can do it. Right. You know? And I and on this note, um, we keep going back to uh, pro tips, but, you know, it's always going to be positive. But uh, I, I think that uh, in it's another opportunity to help them understand that these games are based off of dice. If I'm ever playing with a new group, if I'm playing with an experienced group and something seems critical, I'll say, okay, hold on a minute. We'll open the book together and figure it out. Right. If I'm playing with like, a new group. Like grappling. It's yeah, oh my gosh! Uh, if if I'm playing with if I'm playing with a new group, that um you know you, you got to get that you have to keep that flow going. It has to yeah. be you know it's just got to be continual. Um, if we come up upon a rule and I can't remember it on the spot, make I'll say up. here's an opportunity. I'll say well you can make it up or you can say all right here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna roll six sided dice on a four plus. It's this outcome on a, on, right. on a three uh, three or below. It's this outcome because I just don't remember and we'll look it up later. Yep. And then I just yep. roll the dice. It helps them understand it's okay. The whole point of this adventure in this story is that we we tell it and we use the dice to kind of put in this opportunity for fate and other things to help us tell the story. Yeah. But don't don't get caught up, which maybe that's actually a, uh, a pitfall, is don't do things, don't allow things to happen that are going to slow the pace down. You've got to keep yeah. the pace going. Uh, I totally agree. And I think that... Um... Uh, you know, it's funny because at the end of the game, right, everyone's like, how were you able to remember all of that stuff? And it wasn't, <laughs> you know, know, and it wasn't just, it wasn't just like the storyline. Cause I mean, I had the whole storyline in my head and all that sure, stuff and yeah. how the pieces, cause I wrote it, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I, I knew that, but it was like all the rules and they're like, how'd you remember like all the damage and all this stuff? And I'm just like. Sweetheart, I made up like 75%. Of <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in my head, I said that, but you know, um, but it didn't matter because they had fun, you know? And so, That's the point. Yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I think, I think the biggest pitfall that you can do is don't put the game ahead of having fun, you know, because you could easily do that. You could easily take what's in the box, what's written in an adventure and say, no, we are going to play this game. <laughs> As it is written, and then it, you know, if the people don't want to do it that way, then it stops being fun. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, and there's so many ways to have fun, and you got to know your group, right? You, yeah. What's going to be fun to your group, and what's not going to be fun to your group? Um, I remember one time when we were, oh gosh, it was the like one of the first Sean cons that we did, and I was running a Horde of the Dragon Queen 
I think you were playing in it. I was. And, uh, yeah. And you guys went, there were like three or four things that needed to get done in a certain like 12 <laughs> hour period. Rest. And you guys like went to a, you went to like a water mill, you cleared the yeah. water mill and you guys like, I think we're just going to sleep here for the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah, and then when, it, and then it was, when it was done, you know, the next morning you head back to the castle and the castle is demolished. It's yeah. burned. It's like embers. Everyone's dead. <laughs> and you guys are like, what happened? And then the king comes out and he's like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> You know that was great, and yeah. uh, and then he found a dead rat in his pocket. Right, <laughs> dead rat. Yeah, our friend Flitton will get that one. But, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, and I knew that it's because I knew you guys would think that that was fun and hilarious. Yeah, because, and you know, we weren't. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, I was still kind of a noob at that point. I think I had only played Earthdawn three times. Oh yeah. That was my first D and D game I'd ever played. Oh wow, that's cool. I was your first DM. Yeah, there you go, buddy. There you go. So, uh, but yeah, so I was still kind of new to that. And um, so part of me is like, yeah, I could use a rest. That sounds good to me. <laughs> right? You're like, yeah, yeah, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> nothing at all. Nothing's going on beside us, right? The rest of the world's paused. Yeah, exactly. Not a big deal. So, yeah, all, all good things. And, and uh, you know, I think, I think the overall takeaway for me after I ran this game, um, it's interesting because I got, I got some feedback. Um, one girl was like i want to do this again i would do this every week let's do this every week like she was so into it and you could tell like she was getting into the game she was getting into the mysteries like when there was like reveals you know that it happened like she like she there were audible gasps coming from her you know what i mean like she was like in it to win it um the girl that was sitting next to her, she was having a great time too. Like those two were totally feeding off of each other, you know, and they were like tag teaming and like, you know, rolling together and stuff like that. Um, I had two other uh, people that were sitting on my right and they were in it, but they, um, it took them probably at least half the adventure to let themselves go. You know what I mean? Like they were still in like, this is a really weird kind of phase. Yeah, they weren't quite comfortable. You know? And then by the end, they were just like, kill it, kill the vampire, swing, swing, swing. You know what I mean? And they were just like totally into it. You know, Um, I had one lady who was sitting on my left and she just never really did get into it. And she had a good time with everybody else. She fed off of everybody else's energy, but this just wasn't her thing. You know what I mean? That's okay. And, And that's okay. You know, the point is, is that she tried it out. She she did participate. She ended up getting the killing blow on the vampire because she was swinging a great axe and she was rolling twenties like crazy. So, dude, she was doing like go. she would roll a twenty, not twenty, right? So she's doing double dice and she'd roll an eleven and twelve on her dice for damage. Wow. You know, on a d twelve, and yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> like you're yeah. just crushing it. And she's like, yeah, it's cool, it's fun. But, you know, by the end of it, she she was like, ah, I don't know if I'd do that again. But everybody, you know, the two girls that were sitting in front of me, they're like, oh, we want to do this more. This was a blast, yeah. you know. So, um, all in all, it was... that one guy a- at the table that's like, uh, what's the charge number for this time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, um, they had a good time, you know, and, and I think that that's the measure of it. By the end, like, if they were all smiling and they... They enjoyed the camaraderie of sitting around the table rolling dice. Then that was a success, right? And that's the goal of the whole thing. Yep. 
Let, let them have a good time. Let them experience it. Let them learn what the systems are like. Um, and let them feel like they have participated in some epic adventure and journey. Yeah. Because that's definitely. what we all like. We like being part of those epic adventures. Yeah. Letting them be the hero, right? Yeah. Or villain. Or villain. That's true. So, yeah. 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 So, hey, I, I would recommend if you've never, if you have never played with brand new people, go get a new box set. Go run it for some friends. It can be a lot of time, a lot of fun, and you can expand your gaming group from it. You know, who knows, like, who knows if those people were totally be into it and they say, you know, I never thought I'd actually played Dungeons and Dragons before. And yet here I am and I want to do more, you know, because it was a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden you got a regular gaming group out of it. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, and, you know, there's a reason that we keep talking about these games. We've been playing them for over decades and just having a good time. And it's just an opportunity to get around, meet new people, make friends, and uh, solve problems together and build relationships in the game and out of the game as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our episode tonight. Uh, we hope you got some good tips and tricks out of it. And uh, if you uh, can think of any other pro tips or pitfalls, uh, go ahead and leave uh, leave us a comment. Uh, post something on our Facebook page. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. All right. See you. Thank you, everybody. Good night.